Life Audio. Hello and welcome to Kainos Project. I'm Dale. I am Tamara. And we're here to help you tackle ancient truths in everyday settings. Well, as Christians continue to move towards being a minority presence in America amid, you know, diversification and the changing of the religious landscape, there are any number of culture war battlegrounds that evangelicals find themselves located in. But perhaps one of the most animated public debates that takes place is within the context of schooling for children. Yeah, this is a big issue. I mean, it's a big conversation, I guess. And that's probably because it has to do with children. It has to do with our kids. Right, yeah. This conversation matters in a very personal way to a lot of people. Yeah, and there are a lot of uh, conversation points or concern points uh, within that, whether it's, you know, Florida's you know now infamous Don't Say Gay Bill or uh, book bannings or gendered bathrooms or critical race theory. There are any number of areas of concern for parents who are either like trying to limit or expand the influence of certain ideas in the public school system. And so for many people, you know, kind of in that context, uh, they've decided that public school, you know, isn't really the place to send their children. So they've opted either for homeschool or a hybrid option or to send their kids to uh, private Christian schools. And did you know this actually in the wake of the pandemic, which coincidentally coincided with a very real kind of scare about critical race theory and um, critical gender theory? That in the past few years, private Christian schools, they've actually seen a boom in their enrollment. Yeah. And I think you talked about like some of the hinge points of why, but there were also just a lot of parents who, because the public schools were shut down during the pandemic, um, a lot of parents felt like I can't work and take care of my child's schooling. They need to go back to school. And private school actually became one of the only options for those parents. Um, I know a lot of local parents here that their kids have been in public school, like their entire schooling, but during the pandemic, they just couldn't manage um, working and being essentially their kid's teacher. So they opted to just send them to a private school because that was the best solution during that season of life. Yeah, so like for a lot of different reasons, uh, increasingly so in the past couple of years, uh, parents have pulled their kids out of the public school system and put them into the private Christian schooling system that is available to them in their area. So I thought it would be interesting to talk about that today. Like, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? Uh, Is it just a thing, right? And so I thought we could talk about um, public school versus uh, private Christian schooling Like, what are the Christian arguments for either side of the debate? What are the practical arguments for either side of the debate? Uh, Is there a right answer? And most importantly, uh, what should our posture be like as we approach this question? So that's what I want to talk about today, but we'll dive into that in just a moment. 
So today we're talking about the merits of private Christian education for children as opposed to public schooling and how Christian parents might think through some of the questions associated with that decision. So I figured we'd kind of talk about the strengths and weaknesses of public schooling and the strengths and weaknesses of private schooling. So we'll start with the arguments for public school. And some of these arguments will be somewhat theological in nature, and then others are just kind of a little bit more pragmatic, uh, depending on your situation. So these are the arguments for sending your kids to public schools. So when we think about public schools, um, they are kind of an integral part of society. And so as a nation, we have developed this value that basic education is a fundamental right uh, that should be afforded to everybody living here, regardless of your socioeconomic status, regardless of your racial background, uh, regardless even of your citizenship status, that if you are a child living in this country, that you have a right to uh, basic education. And so if that public school system is a project that we are collectively working together on as a nation, then it stands to reason that uh, that project would benefit from uh, the entire Christian community being a part of uh, this broader societal effort uh, to create uh, public school systems that benefit everybody who's living here. And so that would mean having Christians uh, be school teachers, uh, be uh, engaged parents and volunteers, as well as being students. And this isn't to say that like we're sending our children into the the mission field in second grade. I think that's something that I've heard. I don't think uh, most serious people would phrase it as such that you're sending your second grader to be a missionary to the second grade. Uh, like the primary purpose to send your kid to school is for them to get an education. Right. And parents wouldn't say like we're choosing public school because we want that to be a mission field for our kids, but that there's some benefit of... Um, having Christians within this setting. And in order to have a Christian within that setting, either you're a teacher who's a Christian uh, teaching within the public school system, or you're a student within the public school system. Right. So it is to say that like public schools are a formative institution in our society. And uh, if that's the case, then the overall like moral character of that institution would be strengthened if there were Christians, you know, embedded within it who have strong uh, moral character who can provide a missional presence within uh, that system. And so, uh, being a missional presence isn't necessarily, you know, a purpose, of, you know, to evangelize straight up. Although it does involve. Uh, evangelism uh, it's it's more about bringing like a, a kingdom value or a kingdom ethic to uh, wherever you are as a Christian and so if this is one of the pillars of our society the public school system and you have children who are involved in that um, it's hard to be a missional presence in that space if you aren't in that space uh, and so it's just this opportunity to be the light of Jesus in our community in our society um, and that's a pretty large facet of um, of, of the life of a family in our community is the public school system. So that's kind of a reason, kind of theologically. Um, uh, practically speaking, I think uh, children in public schools, they're, they're exposed to um, a lot of diversity in those uh, situations. They're exposed to people who are different from them. They look different from them. Uh, they uh, believe different from them. They come from different cultures. They have different values. They have different histories. They have different socioeconomic statuses. They have uh, different 
uh, developmental capabilities. And so by being exposed to all of that real-world diversity uh, that kind of already exists in our community, um, that can be a really good thing for kids because they'll kind of naturally develop uh, not only an awareness for the diversity, but also uh, a sense of empathy for the struggles of other people. And so uh, when we don't have those kinds of experiences with other people, um, we tend to either demonize or just not understand that there's anything that they are struggling with that is unique to that set of people. Yeah. And right now, I think there's a lot of talk about the harm of functioning within a silo, um, of only being around people that talk like you, act like you, look like you, agree on everything you agree on. And uh, the public versus private school conversation, that is a big element of it. Because if you're going to a private school, um, it's very likely that there is a lot of common ground happening between you and just about everybody else around you. Which again, is not necessarily bad, but is there... Uh, benefit to making sure that your child is around um, intentional diversity, not only just religiously, right, but um, the the people who can naturally afford private schools usually end up being in a different socioeconomical class, right? So you you just you put up a lot more um, similarities within a private school that just naturally are going to happen. Um, as opposed to having your kid in a in a public school where they are just exposed to, like you said, different cultures, different histories, different backgrounds, different religions, different um, worldviews in general. And is that uh, a good thing for them to grow up in and a good thing to shape them? Or do we want to like guard them against all of those things at a young age? It's, and that's really the conversation we're having right now. Right, yeah, but the benefit would be that they are exposed to um, just different people. So when you're having uh, different conversations about um, whether it's poverty, whether it's uh, race relations, whether it's how to interface with uh, LGBTQ uh, values uh, from a Christian perspective, like there's faces to those issues. Those aren't just like ideas that from a very young age is like, hey, I have a friend who's like that. So that can shape my... Um, understanding of how to engage with that in a way that uh, hopefully us as parents are creating a biblical framework for that, um, but then they can also naturally be attuned to the compassion element of that as well, just having been exposed to it. Uh, I think also, this is just a really practical thing, um, public schools seem to be, uh, on the whole, fairly effective at getting people educated. So you and I both went to public school from... Uh, you know, elementary school all the way through high school. And um, we we came out okay. I feel like we both have graduate I mean, degrees. <laughs> I mean, to be sure, the uh, school district that I grew up in, um, it was very uh, well-funded. And so uh, the schools that I went to, you know, there was plenty of available advanced placement courses. There was career counseling. There were high rates of uh, graduation and uh, even college acceptance. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a certain level of privilege. Just being in the, the community that I was raised in, there was a really good uh, school district there. And so there were a lot of opportunities and a lot of funding uh, going into that school. Uh, Tamara, where you grew up, there was uh, decidedly less funding. Right. I mean, I don't think they decided that, but yeah. Yeah, like <laughs> kind, of a, kind of a case in it point. Was- when I went on uh, school field trips, 
we would go to like a museum or the aquarium. And you recently told me a story of where you went on a field trip. I feel like we shared this on a recent podcast too, but maybe we didn't. Yes, there. I didn't know <laughs> this was not a normal field trip until maybe just a couple of months ago when I actually like shared it with some colleagues at work and shared it with you and was like, oh yeah, this one time when... I was in elementary school. We went on a field trip to Carl's Jr. And my coworker was like, you stopped by Carl's Jr. on the way to the zoo or what? I was like, no, the field trip itself was Carl's Jr. It was a brand new Carl's Jr. that just opened up that was walking distance from our school. And that we walked to Carl's Jr. The fact that like the, <laughs> that was they the couldn't field even trip. afford like to rent the bus. Well, I don't know. Maybe trip. it was so close. I don't know. But yeah, hindsight now, if... If I received some kind of a, you know, announcement that Silas was going to be going to Carl's Jr. as a field trip. Um, I, I might... have follow-up questions. I have follow-up <laughs> questions about right for why. But for me as a kid, I just, that was the field trip. We didn't go on a lot of field trips, so maybe I just didn't have a set expectation of what field trip should look like. But yes, back to what you're saying. Um, I went to a public school and it was not as well-funded as the school you went to but all in all i would say i i had a, a decent education out of it um ended up going to college getting a master's degree and all that so i mean it served its purpose it did well yeah so i mean there are public schools that are better than others um but even where you went where maybe there wasn't as much funding um even just your family background of single parent uh family um, there may be not being as many resources available to you, maybe a little bit of a lower graduation rate or college acceptance rate. It was still possible for you to, uh, not only graduate, but go to college and, you know, be quite successful in the, Within the public the school system public school in system. A, in an area that was not, uh, super, um, economically privileged. Right. And I, it, what is interesting is now having like conversations with you as an adult and other people who I didn't realize came out of just better funded places. Um, we would celebrate whenever anyone got accepted to a college. Like there was a massive celebration. There was like announcements over the intercom. Like this was a huge, huge deal. Um, but then I talked to people who like grew up in areas where you grew up in and that's just commonplace, right? Of course someone got accepted. Like we're not throwing a party over every college acceptance because it was right, so Right, because the common. rates were pretty high. Yeah. yeah. Where for my school to hear like a senior got accepted to a college, like someone said yes. <laughs> that was like worth a celebration and a party for everyone who got accepted into a college because it was just so rare that that was happening. Yeah, so even in a public school system where, and I don't think either of our uh, parents were terribly engaged in our education going through junior high and high school. No, my mom wouldn't have known how to be engaged. Uh, she was just grateful for the college program that we had that like held my hand and walked me through. Here's how you fill out a FAFSA. Here's how you write, you know, whatever essays you need to write. So the school uh, definitely played the key role in me getting into college. Yeah. So that is to say that if you are an engaged parent who sends your kid to public school, you're not giving them a second class education, uh, particularly if you're engaged and you can utilize all the resources that those schools offer, even if there's a school, you know, a public school down the road that would offer more, there's enough there that um, you can get a good education, that that's, you know, the, the public school system, by and large, if you're engaged in it, is 
is working and there's resources available to that. So that would be arguments for public school. Here are some Christian arguments against public school. And much of the argument against public school, it revolves not so much around the rejection of the idea of public school, uh, but it's more on paying closer attention to the individual needs maybe of your own child or with what is happening in your particular local school system. And so when you think about public schools, they, you know, they're a system, right? This is usually pretty large. And um, these systems tend to focus on, you know, pushing the masses through and where a private uh, institution or a homeschooling situation can be much more tailored and focused. And also when you you think about public school, you, you can think about teacher ratios that can be really large. Um, and, you know, public schools, they can struggle to, you know, even stock like basic uh, school supplies like paper. Like I remember when I was like a junior in high school, there was like some kind of like budgetary issue one year. And for like three months, like the, the teachers didn't have enough paper. And so there was like paper rationing and you had to bring your own paper and they had to get creative about it. And that was even like a, in a fairly well-funded school. Um, so like that, that can be true in, you know, any public school system, but it's especially true for uh, schools that don't have adequate uh, funding. Also, when you think about the diversity question, you brought this up a little bit earlier. Uh, diversity can be a good thing in that children are exposed to um, certain kinds of people and certain ideas that are different from them uh, from a young age. But being exposed to those things can also um, shape them and um, kind of create a framework for them that is separate from the framework uh, that maybe they're raised up uh, in with their families. And so when you think about, you know, alternative, you know, moral frameworks, uh, whether it's, you know, with regard to other faith traditions or, you know, the evolving sexual ethics of our society, um, being exposed to those kinds of things, yeah, it can uh, breed empathy, but it can also kind of mold and shape the way that you see the world in a way that can cause problems. And so that is something to honestly consider. Yes. And the idea behind that, too, is are kids too moldable at an age to be um, exposing them to so much diversity of thought? Isn't it better to give your kid a really solid foundation um, by teaching them based on your belief systems and your uh, morals and ethics so that when it comes to uh, being exposed to a great diversity of thought, uh, they already have a good foundation underneath them rather than building the foundation amid diversity that really uh, means your child could end up in a completely different um, space or worldview than you would like them to be. Right. Yeah. And, you know, to be sure, they're going to be exposed to the world at some point. Um, it's just it's a just matter of how age. how much exposure yeah. you want to give and how much you want to throttle that back, uh, depending on their age or stage of development. And I think also it's worth noting that um, sending your kids to public school is not the only way to support the public school system in your area. Like you can still be involved in participating in donating school supplies, or a lot of churches do like teacher appreciation, uh, where they you know kind of shower affection uh, on the public school teachers in their local area because they're you know honestly out there on the front lines um, dealing with all the things of life that often get filtered down through kids. So like whatever uh, family issues are happening at home, in addition to trying to educate these kids, they're often you know counselors, confidants. 
um, mandated reporters. They're they're doing a lot of stuff. So supporting those teachers uh, as the church can be important. Even if your kids don't go to that public school, um, you can still be involved in the the local school board um, and going to those meetings. Like if you're a taxpayer, then you know your taxes are going to that public school, and so um, you can still be a, a voice of moral reason in that. Even if your kids aren't you know actively in those uh, spaces. Uh, you can still be a part as a community member uh, and have concern for you know the things that are going on in the school in a way that is um, helpful and um, is really a voice of reason. So there are other ways to support uh, the public school system without your kids necessarily going to public school. So as an alternative to uh, public school, some Christians, they will opt to send their kids to private Christian schools. And so there are arguments for and against that as well. Um, And so I want to get into those in detail, but we'll do that in just a moment. Okay, so arguments for and against private Christian schools. We'll start with arguments for. So the argument for private school, it really uh, revolves around the idea that education is about more than just learning math and history and things like that. It's really about... Uh, the formation of a person as a whole, including their moral formation and developing a view of the world. And so since kids spend, you know, six to eight hours a day, five days a week in school, it stands to reason that if that is morally shaping them somehow, that you would want the instructors and the environment that they're in uh, to be distinctly Christian. And so that's a, that's a, a pretty large argument for private Christian schools. And when it comes to uh, you know cultural hot button issues, that's that tends to be where it it comes out the most. Where we're we talking about like uh, maybe sex education, you know, Christian parents they can feel a little bit more comfortable knowing that their kids aren't going to be taught something that's fundamentally at odds with their Christian values. That's kind of like at the very least, they won't be taught something that is fundamentally at odds. At, at the most, kind of the uh, the positive vision for it is that if the your children are being morally formed by their environment that they're in for six to eight hours a day, five days a week, um, then it it would be beneficial if the framework in which that's taking place is a Christian framework uh, and the institution is a Christian uh, institution. It could also be argued from a practical uh, perspective that uh, Christian schools are safer. Um, I mean, certainly the, the mass shooting uh, at uh, the Covenant school in Nashville kind of serves as a tragic counterpoint to this, but um, generally speaking, like mass shootings have become like just a grave area of concern for the public school system um, where there's, you know, uh, mass shooter drills that are going on. Like when I was a kid, it was earthquake drills. When my parents were kids, it was, you know, atomic bomb drills, but uh, post-Cold War, it was, you know, earthquake drills. And now there's like mass shooter drills that they're having on a regular basis. Um, and despite what happened in Nashville, um, uh, about a month ago or two months ago, um, I think statistically speaking, it's more likely for those instances of violence to occur in a public school setting rather than a private school setting. And part of that, it it goes back to that issue of, of ratios of, uh, ratios of children to adults. There's less likely to be, uh, 
violence of any type, really, in a situation where there's more adults and less children in the space. So there's more kind of control. There's more guidance. There's more um, kind of relational security in that kind of a smaller environment. And so generally speaking, that that can tend to be uh, a little bit safer. So the idea of a private school education is one. It's, it's safer. It's more kind of community-based uh, because it's smaller and those ratios are a little bit better. Uh, and also, you're sending your kids to a place that you can feel comfortable that the moral formation that they're going to get while they're there is something that aligns with your beliefs and your faith. Yeah, and even the relationship between the parent and the teacher. I think within the private school setting, there's a little bit more of a voice for the parent when it comes to concerns on curriculum, concerns within the classroom, uh, not to say private schools don't do that, but you're, again, dealing with the adult to student ratio is so much larger that what kind of a capacity does that teacher really have to now engage in a more meaningful relationship with the parent on top of the children? And they're already overseeing more than they should within a classroom capacity. So that just goes back to uh, one of the, like, views for private school over uh, public school. Yeah. Uh, It's not all roses and sunshine, though. There are some drawbacks to private schooling, uh, private Christian schooling. Money. That's probably, you know, (laughs) 1A. It's incredibly cost prohibitive. There is no way as a kid that my mom could have even considered private school as an option. It costs tens of thousands of dollars a year. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Public school was the only option she couldn't even entertain the thought of if she didn't like it um i think there was actually a point in my high school like career where i was bullied a lot and my mom considered sending me to a continuation school because you only had to show up like one or two days a week and Mm. the rest was like homeschooled which is now like what we see as charter schools right where it's like a hybrid option but my mom did consider like I can't send you to private. I for sure can't homeschool you. Like, I don't know what else to do about this situation. I've already talked to the school. Maybe we'll send you to a continuation school. Then you only need to be there for one to two days a week. Everything else can be done at home. And you're like in a safer space. Um, Obviously, we opted out of that. I never ended up going (laughs) to a continuation school. But the um, cons against private school, one of the biggest cons is the price point. Right. Yeah. And so that's exactly why public school exists, because... It doesn't cost you anything out of pocket because it's, you know, taxpayer funded. Um, I think another drawback for private Christian schools is a lack of diversity. And I think the elephant in the room that we haven't addressed to this point is that the private Christian school movement in America really in a lot of ways was galvanized in the mid 20th century uh, in rebuttal to the civil rights movement as really kind of a backdoor way to extend school segregation after uh, the Brown versus Board of Education uh, decision. So kind of what happened was uh, in, in the South, uh, particularly, uh, what white Christians found out was that while it had become illegal to segregate public schools or to block integration uh, of those schools, uh, they could claim a religious exemption as a private institution and then they could remain segregated and they could have an all white. Uh, they came to derogatorily be referred to as segregation academies uh, and they wouldn't refer to themselves that way. They would just say that we're a Christian private school who's honoring the Bible. And so um, 
that's a that's a big part of the movement. There's actually a book that I recently read. It's called uh, "Because the Bible Told Them So," and it kind of chronicles some of this history. I'll link to that in, in the show notes. Now, eventually, the the law caught up uh, with you know segregation academies in that regard, and obviously, it's no longer the case that private Christian schools exist uh, primarily to maintain segregation, or that they even could that they couldn't do that. They would get their um, 501c3 status revoked. Um, but nevertheless, by and large, um, private Christian schools uh, still lack diversity, and they even tend to lack a strong desire for it because, you know, a strong institutional desire for greater representation of people of color is generally seen in those same spaces as kind of like the gateway drug to CRT and cultural Marxism. And so they tend to be kind of white and... Uh, it's kind of like this thing where like it was originally designed to be that way and then a generation passes and uh, it's still that's still not the you know in that's not the intent that's not the active intent anymore but unless the intent is to reverse it then the status quo kind of remains and so they just tend to not be very diverse and also because like you said they're so cost prohibitive they tend to not be socioeconomically diverse and so what you get is some fairly affluent white folk and like that's it and so it's kind of and there's kind of a history to that that that's not so hot. Yeah, they're just a product of their birth. And unless, like you said, there's a very intentional movement towards diversity or even making uh, private schools more accessible to people who are of lower income, like you would really have to work hard at changing the demographics and the landscape of the student body. Um, and I imagine just a lot of private schools don't feel passionately enough to go down that road of right. Not that they're against it. They yeah. just don't want to have to, they just don't want to do have to put it. in the yeah. effort mm-hmm. to move forward in that way because they would be a lot of new systems. There would be a lot of work to move in that direction rather than just letting it be status quo. Right. I think another thing, and this is maybe for, if you're, um, a little bit more theologically persnickety like I am. There may become like uh, <laughs> like doctrinal questions where if you send your kid to a private school, um, like what doctrine are they teaching? And is that doctrine that you agree with? Not to say that it's like heretical or outside of orthodoxy, but it's like maybe just not the theological vision that you want to cast for your kids. And I'll give you like one like probably prime example that would be like a non-starter for me um, in looking at a, a, a private school uh, setting would be like if the curriculum mandates a young earth creationist view of the world. And like basically the entire science program is predicated on disproving uh, anything other than the earth is 6,000 years old and um, that type of thing. Um, I would have serious reservations about that. Not because I think that's not an orthodox view or that's not a a view that's accepted within uh, evangelicalism or within Christianity, um, but because it's uh, in, for my money, it's and it's a lot of money. It's too narrow, and um, I would want uh, my kids exposed to kind of a broader theological vision than that. Uh, particularly as it kind of starts to bleed into other um, subjects, whether that's you know biology or natural uh, science or whatever it might be. I would have some concerns about that, um, where uh, a school might take a an approach that's more narrow than the approach I would teach at home 
then it's kind of like the same as a public school. Like the, the things I'm teaching at home are in conflict with the, the things they're teaching at the school. And now I'm paying tens of thousands of dollars for that. Uh, and I think the the fact that those questions in a private school are distinctly theological in nature, that's that's a bigger order of priority for me. Well, and I was going to say the same like con, I guess, to public school is some of what's being taught, right? Like that's the great concern. So then parents automatically are like, well, great. Let me just stick you in a Christian, private Christian school. They're teaching you about Jesus and God. Like that's fantastic. But I've actually looked into some of the local ones here, the private Christian schools curriculum, um, wanting to put Silas into preschool. The only option really is private because... There's no like publicly funded preschools. I mean, that's a whole um, other conversation uh, yeah, exactly. to itself. But. So the fact that we uh, were just interested in preschool at all meant private institution. And so that had me diving into a lot of the curriculum. And as I was looking at it from a theological perspective, I was at like odds with what was being taught from a Christian perspective, just in the same way I would likely be at odds with. Um, some of the views being taught within a public perspective. So when it comes to weighing curriculum, like there's still great concern within private schools as there are public schools. Yeah, it's not an automatic. In my view, because a lot of the private Christian schools, unfortunately, are teaching a lot of moralism. Um, Like if you if you're nice to your brother, God will be happy with you. And and, you know, if that becomes the bedrock and the foundation of their Christian faith. Then as they get older, like either God's happy with you or he's mad at you. And those were the seeds that were sown at a very young age, um, all because we thought private Christian schools are teaching about Jesus and that's good enough. Right. Yeah. And I think one more thing to consider when it comes to private Christian schools is um, evaluating whether you're reacting to a headline that you saw about gender neutral bathrooms or CRT or whatever it might be um, when maybe those things aren't actually occurring in your public school system. So this isn't an argument against uh, private Christian schools per se, um, but it's maybe an argument against uh, jumping ship for the wrong reasons and with kind of the wrong uh, vibe in your heart, I guess, of, of one of fear where you see these headlines and they, you know, some of these stories, they make national headlines because the stories are outlandish and they're extreme and they're troublesome. Um, but they don't actually represent um, a vast majority of school districts throughout the country. And one of those school districts might just be the one in your area. So you might be rebelling against or responding to something that actually isn't even happening in your school district. So before you jump ship, it would probably be good to just get a, a good thorough read on what is actually being taught in the public schools. A lot of times, there's, you know, you're not always going to agree with everything, but a lot of times there's there's not anything so significant that you would need to to pull your, your kid out on those grounds alone. Now, if you still want to send your kid to private school, that's fine. But like, you know, maybe like, like, just be a little bit more reasonable about that um, and a little bit more honest about that, that you you don't have to like take some kind of hypothetical moral high ground in order to send your kid to private school. You can just kind of want to do it. it makes sense. You can afford it. You like the one that's nearby you. Um, you think it aligns with your... Uh, belief and values better than the public school. Um, it doesn't necessarily need to be that fear-based choice. So as we looked at you know the arguments for and against public and private school, uh, Tamara, what are some of the things that 
um, stand out to you or like rise up to the top in terms of like your own personal priorities as you kind of think through um, the schooling options? This is something that we are getting very close to having to like make a real decision on, right, for our personal family. And um, I think this is a good conversation to have in in general. And I've tried really hard to uh, be mindful of um, conversations that are led by fear and have you seen this textbook and what it's teaching about sexuality and what it's, you know, um, the privacy that children get and they're not encouraged to talk to their parents. And so all of it, all of the conversation away from public school seems to be led by fear. And I absolutely don't want to make any kind of a decision based on fear. Uh, but also holding in tension that the Lord has given us two children, one more on the way, so three, um, to be in our care for us to make wise decisions about what is influencing them, what's happening to them. And by no means do I hope to shield them from the world. Um, my greatest like mission with them is to give them a firm foundation to stand on. And obviously that being Christ and um, allowing them to then make decisions based on a foundation that has equipped them to engage with people who are different than them, equip them to engage with different worldviews and ideas and how to critically think through that from the lens of Christ. Um, but then how do you do that for a five-year-old? Right. Right? Like how do you, like that feels very weighty for a five-year-old. You say, listen, son, the world is complicated. <laughs> yes. And he's like, can I have a cheesesteak, please? Yeah. He's just like, A is apple. Ah, ah, ah. Um, I think the biggest marker in making these kinds of a decision as a parent is like you said, not to read the headlines because I've had people send me like Facebook articles of look at what this child's textbook says. And I'm like, okay, is that textbook in my school district? Like, right. It's like some random school in like Idaho or something. Yeah, It's randomly somewhere else. And, um, that's not being taught at the school that I'm even considering sending my kid to. So I think just again, like the Lord has given us minds to think critically through things and to not, um, just blindly be afraid of things. Uh, and maybe there is a little bit more intentionality into my child's education than I thought I needed to like be intentional about. Um, I don't remember my mom like <laughs> asking to look at curriculum or asking to look at the list of books that are like assigned and any of that kind of stuff. Um, when I was a kid, uh, yeah, my mom was probably most fearful of, of the fact that there were images in the book that humans came from apes. Um, and so we just had a conversation about that and moved on. Like it wasn't, it wasn't. It didn't have to be a whole thing. It wasn't crazy. Right. Um, and so I think for me, the top priority is just actually being aware of where, what am I considering as an option for my kid? Um, and what actually is being taught within that school itself? What is actually being taught within those textbooks? So that might require me as a mom to like open up my kid's textbook. Right. And look at it. Um, and it might require me like, being intentional about 
looking at homework and having conversations about what's happening in the school. And then if there are things that I am absolutely just, I can't support my kid being like receiving that kind of an influence, then maybe I consider another option. Um, But to me, the top priority is being a parent that is aware, that is intentional and critically thinking through things because based on like the pros and cons of private and public, like, There are some pros and cons for private. There are some pros and cons for public. So I think to completely disregard public school and just make a blanket statement that like public schools are evil and they're, they're making everyone transgender and they're like, really like as if when you say that, like just throw that out there, like, like, well, that that sounds like a bold claim. They're making everyone transgender, but that's not outside the realm of the arguments you hear of why you shouldn't send your kids to public school. Yeah, or that my my son is going to be in kindergarten and he's going to walk into a restroom that is just like a transgender bathroom and, you know, just girls and boys are all hanging out in the same bathroom. Like, is that actually happening in my school that I'm sending my kid to? Or is that just a report? I mean, if I'm it reading. is, then like get your kids out of there by all means. But is that actually happening? You might that's, want to check in that's on what it I'm first. Saying, yeah. Like maybe instead of just being like, "Well, all private, all public schools have transgender bathrooms. All public schools are." I I know this might be like too much, but something I recently heard is like, "Oh, look at this textbook. It was teaching your kid how to masturbate." I was like, "What? That sounds crazy. Like, what are you talking about?" And then I get like a um like an article on it. And I'm like, but this is not a school here at all. Like, anyways, so like actually look into what's happening within the schools that you're considering and making sound decisions based on the information that is truly impacting your kid. I think that is probably one of the biggest priorities for me. And again, even from the private school option, I have just as much concern about the curriculum that's being taught from a theological perspective, because you have so many Christians that are deconstructing right now. And I think a lot of it has been in the, the way that we're teaching our kids about God and Jesus. Right. And I want um, that to be formative to them in a way that draws them closer to Jesus and not let me send you to a private school because I was so afraid of what the public school is teaching that in the end, what that private school is teaching you about God was not as sound as maybe you thought it was going to exactly, be. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that needs to be just as important in weighing out my decision for my kids um, and to not pin one as the ultimate evil over the other. Right. Yeah. And I think at the end of the day, what we're driving at here is the fact that this is like highly contextual. Like this decision is contextual to the schools that are available locally in your area and the quality of education that they can offer. Uh, It's contextual to your finances. Um, If you decide to do homeschooling or hybrid option, which is something we didn't really discuss uh, at much length here, then it becomes, you know, contextual to your work schedule and like what you can manage in in that regard. Uh, It can be contextual to your child's temperament or their educational needs. Like maybe your your kid would thrive better in one environment over the other. Or maybe your kid has special needs or a a learning disability or developmental disability and, you know, this place over here as opposed to that, that place over there has better resources for you. So it's all highly contextual uh, based on what's happening in your family and in your community. Uh, so 
I think all that to be said, we probably shouldn't judge each other too harshly on our you know individual choices in this regard. I mean, that isn't to say that we shouldn't feel strongly about our own choice because it's important. And so you should, you know, care enough about it that you feel some kind of something about it, that you feel strongly about the decision that you've made that it wouldn't be like, meh, 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 whatever. Well, it's your kid. I hope that you're... (laughs) As in all things with your kids, you want to agonize a little bit. Yeah. (laughs) You want to agonize a little bit. But don't agonize too much and don't... uh, uh, agonize other people's kids who are just, you know, those people are trying to make the best decision that they can make given their context. Um, and so we, we ought not to, to demonize them. And so we're not necessarily here to provide the definitive answer because we don't even know what we're doing. Yeah. And there's, let's be honest. I don't even think there is a definitive answer. There's not. I don't think there's a right answer uh, or a wrong answer. I do think there's a wrong way to arrive at an answer. Mm. And that yeah. is to be motivated by fear, by, you know, rumors, by or whatever Or just an it might arrogance be. that one is over the other. Right, right. Yeah. There's, sure. Yeah, so if you, there's a right way to arrive at a decision. I think the decision uh, matters less in terms of like the moral significance as uh, the the way that you arrive at it. You can arrive at it in a way that's, you know, fearful or immoral, uh, or you can arrive at it in a way that is, you know, faith-filled and uh, loving. And, yeah, maybe, you know, it's, it, at the end of the day, it's it, it's not necessarily a moral issue where your kid goes to school. It's a it's a pragmatic issue. It's um, a wisdom issue. Um, but we're all just doing our best out here, so we should... I mean, parenting is hard. Slack. Like... You guys, parenting is the most difficult thing I've ever done my entire life. And I would say I've been through some pretty challenging things, but like parenting takes the cake for sure. Uh, And so, yeah, like, can we just give one another a bit of grace and also some respect in the authority that you have over making decisions for your family that you have um, prayed about it, thought about it, looked into it, and this is the best decision you've made for even maybe you have a different decision per kid. Like I've seen that happen too, uh, based on the needs of your child. So again, just give one another grace in this conversation. And instead of, um, being so quick to judge, um, maybe just leading with curiosity to actually know that parent and how they arrived at that decision. Right. So just be a good person, generally speaking. And, We'll make it through. It'll be all right. Thanks for listening to the Kainos Project podcast. Thank you also to our partners at Life Audio. Visit lifeaudio.com to find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in the network, including shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you enjoyed hanging out with us today, consider subscribing to the podcast and leaving a rating and review. And be sure to visit our website, kainosproject.com, for more helpful resources. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Finding uplifting news in today's headlines is often like searching for a needle in a haystack. At the Story Behind podcast, we believe in the power of finding heartwarming tales and are happy to share empowering stories with you every week. Hear about how Steve Harvey surprised a dying man on Family Feud with $25,000. Get inspired by the note a waitress received from a patron dining alone. And even hear about how one VIP passenger made a hard-working pilot get emotional before his flight. To start listening to the Story Behind podcast, 
visit lifeaudio.com or search Story Behind on your favorite podcast platform.